the salesperson needs to lead. My philosophy is he who asks the questions is in charge. This is the Endurance Partners Podcast with Lisa Von Massa. Lisa is a licensed Sandler trainer. She uses Sandler methodology. The person who asks the questions controls any encounter. And Lisa will show you how to present yourself perfectly in any setting, be it a sales meeting or a job interview. Take this 24 minutes and share it with a kid who has an anxiety during interviews or someone new to the country entering the workforce. It's 24 minutes of gold. Lisa's gold on Radio U. There's something to be said about reverse psychology. And, um, you know, when salespeople um, have the perspective and truly believe that it's okay to walk away um, and that I don't need this business, you know, I have a saying, every time you walk into a sales call, you should, whether you do or not, have this mental belief that I got a million bucks in the bank just sitting in my checking account. I don't need this next sale. Because when you have that belief, you will change how you're interacting with people. You will ask honest questions. You will be more inquisitive because you won't be afraid of the answers that you hear. When you want the deal and when it becomes about you, and what you need, uh, we sometimes don't ask questions that really come back to bite us down the road. Actually, information and, and, and uh, uh, studies that have said you got seven seconds to make an impression. Eye contact, facial expression, posture, the way in which you hold your shoulders, you may have never opened your mouth, but come on, we've all experienced this. You walk down the street and you see someone coming towards you and there is an impression that we're all left with. Dress, um, you know, wildly dressed, conservatively dressed and how that appeals to you. Um, body posture is confident, shoulders back, uh, chin up, eye contact. Um, but here's the key. Not everybody is an extrovert. So if you're an extrovert, if you're um, uh, a very direct, intense kind of communicator, you want to read the individual across from you. Uh, if their eyes are darting away, you might be intimidating them a little bit. So look away. See, here's the interesting fact. Like attracts like. And we tend to um, be attracted to people who look like, act like, display characteristics or features that are like us. So, as a salesperson, you really want to be paying close attention uh, to the person across from you. And that happens in very short order. Um, if you're slouched, if you look um, not confident and a little bit nervous, 
because you're sitting across from some C-level executive. If you're not the type of person who looks people directly in the eye and you have someone who is, you need to adjust because like attracts like and it sets that first impression in those first few seconds and first few minutes and it sets the stage for where we're going next. Follow their lead. So I'm a big believer in watching very, very closely. Um, if someone's looking me in the eye, I need to stare back. And uh, if they're smiling, I'm smiling back. The handshake, if someone has a light handshake, yes, um, I lighten mine up. If someone has a very firm handshake, I wait for it and match it. So you really are looking, and it's because you're conscious of the fact that I'm trying to match and mirror and create this bond quite subtly, but instantly, it happens very quickly. Tone is key as well. Listening for, hi, I'm Sid. Yeah. Hi, I'm Lisa. Matching and mirroring that because I do tend to be in my private life I'm actually an introvert, a much more reserved individual. Um, I find that I re-energize by quiet time and being alone and working through my checklist, which is very, um, you know, smacks in the face of being a trainer standing up in front of people. Right, sure. Uh, or, or a public speaker. Um, but those things take energy from me, and so does interacting, um, going out and making sales calls and interacting with new people. So I don't sit down in waiting rooms like a lot of people that you see who hunch over and are in their phones right. waiting for 15, 20 minutes. What happens is, is your energy level actually drops sure. down yeah, and you, your, your sharpness dulls. So I stand up. I walk around, I'm reading what's on the walls. People will actually say to me, receptionists will actually say, would you like to have a seat? And my response is, I sit almost all day long. All day, thank you. I love the opportunity to stand up. But what that does is that keeps my energy level up, that keeps me sharp. I might even pick up something that I've observed as I'm walking around and that keeps me very in tune so that the minute my person, my contact comes and gets me and greets me, I'm on. I will wait probably 20 minutes, half an hour is about how long I have waited. However, here's, here's the interesting part. If we've booked an hour long meeting and, I, and we've set the expectation that the meeting is going to be an hour long and then I wait for half an hour, let's say. Um, and then we meet, and you tell me, as the, as the prospect, I've got 15 minutes. Tell me what you got. The truth is, we can't do what we set out to do in my world in 15 minutes. So I will either rebook the meeting and say, you know what, I understand. Obviously, something's come up. 
uh, it looks like you've got a lot going on. Does it make sense for us to rebook this meeting? Because the truth is, we're only just going to get started in 15 minutes. We're, I'm not going to be able to tell you what I need to tell you without understanding what you might be experiencing and why you even called me here today. That's the equal business stature I'm right, talking about. Right. Okay, so that is the that is having the ability to not cower and say, okay, well, here's what you need to know about me and spill your guts about every product and service that you have versus if we can't find the time to have this conversation right now, does it make sense for us to rebook it or, or have you changed your mind? And having the ability in that mindset to walk away. So if I have someone who is a direct communicator, um, they are the type of person who ends my sentences. And you'll pick that up pretty quick. They, they may come across as a bit impatient or rushed. That's a signal to me, male or female. You better pick up the pace, Lisa, and you better move along with them because they don't want a long, drawn-out story. Other people who are very much asking or have a checklist, let's say, and they are asking very detailed questions, that's a signal to me that I might need to slow this down and make sure that I am answering all of their questions carefully. I'm looking for matching and mirroring, so it is a subtle thing, but one of the questions I will ask is, I'm not, sh I'm not sure how I... Are you going to have a coffee? If they're going to have a coffee, I might have a coffee with them. And it is a, it's a subtle thing. If they're not going to have a coffee, no, I don't drink coffee. You know what? I've had enough today, actually. I've probably had my quota. I am looking for like, matching and mirroring. I am looking to create those subtle uh, relatability points. Don't look like, don't act like, and don't sound like a stereotypical salesperson. Right. So if you see something that authentically you can relate to, uh, as an example, a kid playing soccer and you recognize the jersey, oh, I see in the photo that um, that's a Burlington team or that's a Hamilton team, um, then that is is relatable. Um, what a lovely family can come across as something you say to everyone and just looking to make chit chat. One of the first things I'll do when the meeting's getting started, we're getting settled, um, is I'll go back to what we originally agreed to. When we set this meeting up, Mike, um, we agreed that it would be uh, take us about a, an hour I know we've had a late start. Is that hour still going to be okay for you? Or has anything changed? No, I'm probably going to have to wrap this up um, on the hour. You know, I know we got, we got a late start. So when we do that, now we're setting some parameters. But here's something else that's happening. I'm reminding the prospect of what we agreed to and what we set up front. I'm also taking the lead. So 
a key part here is that the salesperson needs to lead. My philosophy is he who asks the questions is in charge. So if you as a salesperson find yourself answering questions over and over and over again and walking out of meetings feeling like, wow, I just told them so much, you may have just given away a lot of free consulting and with no guarantee that you're going to have a sale. I would say that uh, about 80% of the time they're hoping that I can provide some free consulting and um, some quick tips uh, that I'm going to be asked. How would you handle this particular problem? Now, the challenge is, is not taking the bait. Not taking the bait means not answering that question one way or saying, there's a reason you asked me that question. Could you give me a bit more background so that I can understand before I answer? We call it reversing, answering a question with a question because the real value it does not exist in me answering the question. The real value lies in understanding why was the question asked in the first place. And by that I mean, you know, why should I work with you guys? What makes you different? I'm not sure we are different. Could we ask, could we understand a little bit more about each other to determine if we are? Um, and, and that's putting it back on the individual. You know, that's a power play tactic, right. by the way. I hear you guys cost a lot. I hear your fees are really high. Why should I work with you? I've heard some bad stuff about you from your competitor. Those are power play questions. How, how often does that happen? A lot, actually. Like as often as it doesn't? Uh, yes. And I think it is a, it is a power play tactic. And, and let's, let's also face it, there are certain individuals in companies now, especially in larger corporations, whose job it is to buy services and buy them cost effectively for their organization. These are purchasers. Right. These are uh, department heads and managers whose job it is to source solutions at a cost effect in a cost effective way. So very often they have a number of questions already in mind, um, they've been doing research, and you're not the only supplier they've called in. So it is a bit of a tactic to try and lead the conversation. The, the trouble is, is that when we start answering, we tend to answer with our features and benefits of, look, these are the products we have, these are the services we offer, this is how much they cost. And guess who we sound like? Every other salesperson that sat in the chair before me. Probably the most dramatic thing I've done is one of those scenarios where I had uh, a number of meetings with a client. Um, he was a prospect at the time. I was coming back to deliver my proposal and I had driven quite a distance to meet him. His office was about uh, 75 minutes away from mine. So we had a time and a date booked. 
And on that afternoon when I showed up at his location, it was obvious as I walked through the front doors that there was a situation afoot. I could tell from the body language of the people standing around the front reception desk, including the business owner who I had the meeting with, uh, that something was up and they looked nervous. And just by the look on his face when he saw me walk through the front door, I could tell, you know, the balloon above his head was, oh shoot, I forgot I had this meeting. So uh, we get into his office, he's very polite, and he knows that I'm coming back to present my solution and deliver my proposal for how we'd move forward. So there's been a fair amount of, of time invested in this, but it's a sizable piece of business as well, and it's a significant investment for him. So I'm sitting at it across from him at his desk, we're sitting down, I reach into my bag, I pull out my folder, and I'm almost ready to open it up. And I can see him, his eyes darting at people behind me. Uh, so he's looking past me. We're not making eye contact. He's distracted by something. And as I think about uh, starting to talk about the proposal, it dawns on me that Whatever is going on is not going away. And anything I say right now is not going to be heard. So I folded up the folder and I put it back in my bag. And I said, you obviously have a lot going on right now. And I, and I don't think we're going to be able to cover. You're not even going to be able to think about what I'm about to roll out to you. How about we reschedule? And the gentleman was so taken back. He said, no, he was so apologetic. Please, I, I feel so bad. And I, you know, take it back on myself. It's no problem. But you drove so far. And I did, by the way. Yes, 90 minutes. However... There was no amount of uh, selling or pitching or, um, you know, conversation that was going to change the fact that he had a crisis he needed to manage and his mind was somewhere else. So I just said, it's okay. I'll come back. We'll find a time. Deal with what you have to deal with. No worries. Packed up. Now, in truth, I really needed that piece of business at that time. So... Uh, what was going on internally with me was I was very, very distraught and angry, to tell the truth. I had spent five or six hours. This was a significant piece of business, and frankly, I had a bit of a lull in my pipeline. I really could use this project to get things kick-started and create a little bit more momentum. So it came at a time when I really wanted that piece of business. So it took everything in my power to walk away. And I kind of wondered as I was driving back down the highway, have I just blown this? Is this going nowhere? The phone rang in the car before I was even halfway back. 
and it was him asking if he could come out to my office the next day. And it was at that moment I knew the deal was done. It didn't even matter what was in my proposal now. And it was, and we signed that contract the next day. But I got to tell you, that was one of the hardest things for me to do because he wanted me to deliver the proposal and I refused to. And it could have cost me the deal. I really could have ticked him off. But I also knew no amount of talking was going to change whatever he needed, where his mind was. So... To be clear, I do a pre-call plan before I go into every call. So before I even leave, um, before I'm even in their parking lot, my prep has happened before. My, my prep includes something called an upfront contract, which is a technique I practice um, and comes from Sandler. And that's really about what's the purpose of the meeting, um, how long are we here for, by the way, I have a notebook and I take notes. Um, I write out, these are the topics I came prepared to discuss. Is there anything that you wanted to add to the agenda? And has anything changed since we set up this meeting? Because something always changes. Right. Um, and then what, a, what the possible outcomes are. I, at minimum, prep that. But usually what happens is I also have probably five or six key questions related to problems they might be experiencing. You know, things that customers tell me they experience in their business and why they work with me and the problems I solve. Are you experiencing any of those? And those are generally conversation starters that really start to open up reasons for why we might do business. It's essential. Um, it's essential because it's a mindset. When I walk in and deliver, uh, you know, and start the conversation, which usually sounds something like, hey, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today. And, you know, just to sort of set some expectations around what I came prepared to discuss, um, these are the few things that I believe um, I help organizations with and I came prepared to discuss these with you and we add that their agenda and is the hour that we booked still okay for you is this still an okay period of time because the one thing that people will steal from you all the time is your time okay <laughs> oh I only have 15 minutes Ooh. well if you can't get the job done in 15 minutes, you have a responsibility, in my opinion, to tell someone that. Right. Um, otherwise, you're going to do a substandard job. Well, in, in, in the first seven seconds, like you talked about, it's I'm looking for matching and mirroring and, and reading the people around the room. I'm looking for the subtleties of eye contact, posture, um, tonality in their voice, um, and handshake, to your point earlier. The, the other thing, as the conversation starts, I go through exactly the same steps, which is why we got together. Here's what I came prepared to discuss. 
and I go around the room and ask people, was there anything specific that you wanted to add? This is how I engage them in. Um, and then do we all agree that after the hour, the 90 minutes, whatever the time commitment was, these are a couple of the outcomes that may result from this conversation. One of them might be we feel like we have a pretty good understanding of each other and it may make sense for me to go back and come back with a proposal and meet with you guys and, and tell you how we tackle this. One of the options might be nothing I say makes sense for you or isn't a fit for you and that's totally okay. I hope you'd feel comfortable telling me that because I'm totally okay if you tell me that. And I think when you do that, you set the stage to lead, even with a crowd around the table. Lisa Van Masso is the president and owner of Endurance Partners. She uses a methodology based on her Sandler training of which she is a licensed practitioner. Lisa, thank you for a fantastic conversation. Thanks, Mike.